You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show, where we invite an expert each week to hear about their incredible journey and career paths. On today's show, we're, we're chatting with Annie Heider Shaw. The 2020 elections are gearing up. Ever wonder how to support a candidate you like so they win? Annie can explain where to start. This week's show is brought to you by Bellows Consulting. I'm Fatima Al-Sayed, your You Mentor Talk Show host. You can tune into the talk show every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section. Annie, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good, doing well. So your career um, ended up being more into politics as you progressed throughout your life. Can you tell us a bit of about what inspired you to and led you there? Uh, yeah, sure. So I um, I actually grew up in central New York, which is not like upstate New York. It's more central in the middle of the state of New York. And I kind of was the one of the I was one of very few uh, people of color in that area. And you know, when you're different, you're kind of you know the difference between yourself and other people. You see yourself as different. At home, you speak a different language. You come home, you go to school, and you speak a different language. You eat something at home, and you don't eat that same thing at school. And so, you know, you you very quickly you realize that you're different, and your family is different. Um, and just growing up in a place like that, I was clearly a more of a liberal person than everybody else were that uh, than everybody else that was there. So, I uh, one of my earliest memories we used to watch the news all the time, every night, every single night without fail, we would watch. World News Tonight with Peter Jennings. And one of the things I remember at, at a very young age was the was Geraldine Ferraro and Walter mm-hmm. Mondale running for president. They were running for president and vice president. Um, and I remember seeing this woman who was running for vice president and they kept talking about how it's, you know, never been done before and how she was amazing. And and I really did, I, I you know, I rooted for her, not knowing that there, she didn't have a chance of winning, um, but I really did root for her a lot. And I loved her. I thought she was great. I'm like, oh my God, look at this little woman and she's running and it's fantastic. And, and she was only How running for vice president. I was seven, actually. I was, oh, wow. I was really, really young. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, the nerdiness started early. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching the news. I like to see, I like to learn and um, learn about what was happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And so for me to see something happening this close uh, in the United States, I thought was fantastic. And so, you know, I was very interested. Um, and as I got older, I was more interested in international politics because I watched the news so much because I was so clued in. I'd read the local newspaper, which had a, you know, a pretty good um, international section, thanks, thanks to like the AP. Um, and so I would, like, I, I was, I was fascinated with international politics in general. Um, so when I got to high school, I was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to do model UN. So I did, I did model UN. I would, you know, I, I remember thinking we can, we can eliminate female genital mutilation and we can do all these different things. We just have to use education and we just have to use, you know, we have to do all these different programs and mm-hmm. we can start a committee and education is the key to changing all types of behavior. And I was very motivated as a kid to do, yeah. to make change. Um, and so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because there were other kids that would just watch me and they were like that. I don't understand why you would change anyone who cares like let them do what they want to do and mm-hmm. um I, I was a, I was very very much a trying Proactive. to change the world type of person yeah and I and I wanted to change the world I, I would see things differently than other people saw things I came from a different perspective I think partly because I was the only one of the very few brown kids in the school um I was one of the very few democrats in the school mm-hmm. and I was just different um which I I you know again gives me a different perspective 
so I ended up going to college. Uh, did you study I, I did. what you were passionate about? So no, I didn't. At first, I did not. I studied English. I actually was, I was like, okay. I'm going to be an English major. And I loved English. And I was very much into English, English literature. And I wanted to write. And I was a good writer. And I was good at um, communicating. And so I thought, I'll do English. It'll be, it'll be the perfect thing for me. Um, and a friend of mine who was taking, she was taking uh, an international relations course. And she's like, I don't understand the difference between the Cypriots, the Greek Cypriots, and the Turk Cypriots. And, and I was like, oh, well, hey, let me go through it for you. And then I went through of the whole situation. <laughs> and I knew, and I knew everything. And she was like, how do you know all of this? Like, who knows this in a, as a freshman in college? And I said, well, you know, I did Model UN, and I learned all of this. And I followed it on the news, a lot of it live when mm-hmm. it was happening. And so she was like, well, maybe you should take, you know, that'll be your EVA. Why don't you take international relations? And I was like, that's a great idea. So I ended up taking international relations just because I wanted an EZA and it was an EZA for me, but I enjoyed it. And I realized I really very much enjoyed that type of thing. So I thought maybe I'll apply to the London School of Economics. Maybe I'll do something else eventually. And I had a lot of high hopes and dreams for myself. And I was actually, I actually considered going to medical school for a little while as well. Um, I looked at, there were a few doctors in Congress and I was like, you know, maybe I could be one of those people, like maybe in the future I'll run for office and I'll you know, become a doctor and I'll also do that. And I'll, it'll all be great. And I, I, I know I, I, I was, <laughs> for me, it was really tough to kind of close doors. I wanted yeah. to do so many things. Um, but as, as time went on, open. yeah, that's true. I mean, it's very important to keep your options open and also to remember that no door is really closed at any mm-hmm. time, unless you decide to close it, unless you choose, you know what, I'm not going to do this or I don't want to do this. And then, then those doors are closed completely. But a lot of times, you know, you can, you can still ch- do things that you want to do. Yeah. So I did ended you up, ended up uh, yeah, sorry. Did you end up like, I was going to ask, did you end up uh, continuing in college and working right away? No. So what I did was um, I went to college, I got married in my sophomore year mm-hmm. and that changed everything. And so I, um, I had to move. I had to move from, I was at Hamilton college in upstate New York and I had to move down to Baltimore, which is where my husband got a job. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at the colleges down here and I'm like, I don't even know where I want to go to school. But then I looked at Hopkins and I thought, you know what, I think I really, Johns Hopkins university. I was like, I think I want to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, which was crazy because, you know, I, I had not, I didn't think I could get in. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be something that, um, that would be the right fit for me, considering that I went from a teeny tiny liberal arts school to a huge university. Yeah. How but was the change for you there? Like the change of environment? It was, it was pretty hard, actually. You go, you know, you go from being a, a small fish in a huge pond, sorry, a big fish in a small mm-hmm. pond to a very small fish in a much larger pond. And it was, it was quite the, uh, quite a, a difficult thing for me. And I, I lived on campus at Hamilton for a year. And then I was a commuter student uh, at Hopkins, which mm-hmm. doesn't really allow you to be involved as much as people who live there on campus because you got to go home and you got to, you know, and I had to cook mm-hmm. dinner and I, my life was a little bit different than everybody else's because I was married. Um, so, I mean, if anybody wants advice, don't get married while you're in college, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just, that's my advice. I would say finish college. So I ended up, what happened actually was that I, um, I didn't finish college at that time. I started, I got pregnant and I had my first child and I had difficulty finishing up the classes that I needed to take. Mm-hmm. And I had about a couple of classes left. I, went, I needed to finish about, I think four or five classes um, to be able to graduate. And I didn't, um, I ended up just having children. I had one daughter and then I had another daughter. And I, at some point my friends said to me, they're like, you know, there's, 
there's a limit on how long you can go and how long your credits are still active. And mm-hmm. you're going to, if you want to finish school, you've got to go back to school now. And I remember thinking, I don't really want to go back to school now. I have two young children. They're toddlers. Do I really want to go back to school? And I was like, you know, I'll just be a mom for the rest of my life. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friends were like, that's not a good idea. That's not, you should, you're, you're too smart for this. And actually my children's pediatrician said that to me too. <laughs> they were like, you're, she's like, you're just too smart for this. You ask all the right questions. You need to do something else. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, with that encouragement, I think that's very important that, you know, as women, we encourage each other to do what we should do. Um, that helped me a lot. So I mm-hmm. actually went back to school. Um, Did you I go back to, to my John advisor. Mm-hmm. I went back to Johns Hopkins okay. and I told my, I mean, every time I came back, I came back with another baby in a stroller and she was like, my <laughs> advisor was like, what are you doing? Why do you have another baby? And I was like, I'm sorry, I just got pregnant again. So... <laughs> I think my, my, the, the craziness was that I, you know, I did teach having children. So my, my, one of my last second to last courses, uh, mm-hmm. I was taking in the summer of 2007 and I was pregnant at the time with my son. And so I knew I had to finish this degree. I know I only had a few years left that my, my credits would still be viable. And I knew that if I didn't finish it now, I wasn't going to finish it. And I was going to have to retake all my classes and re and, and readmit myself to another university because there's no way mm. Hopkins was going to let me back in at that point. Um, and I said, you know what, I'm going to have to make this work. So pregnant in nine months pregnant, I was walking to class every day from the parking lot. Um, and then I gave birth on Thursday. Uh, my son was born on Thursday and oh, Alhamdulillah, he was lucky, he was ha- healthy and happy. Everything was good. Mm-hmm. And I walked, I went back to class on Tuesday. So, you wow. know, normally nobody does that. <laughs> nobody does that. But I, I did because I knew, you know, this was something I knew going in that I was mm-hmm. going to have to go back to school. So I went back to class. I actually got a standing ovation. It was pretty funny um, <laughs> when I walked in because they were like, oh my God, she's back. It was, it was pretty wild. And actually the parking lot attendant who would see me walk to school every day, she yelled at me at one point. She's like, you need to go back home. And I was like, I, what do you want me to do? She's like, I know you had that baby. You need to go back home. You're you got to rest. And I was like, yeah, I know. I know. How, I'll, I'll get how did home. you um, deal with like being pregnant and also completing your degree? So being pregnant and completing your degree is not hard. Um, the it's the not. only hard thing. No, that's not the hard part. The hard okay. part is having kids and then completing your degree because oh, okay. children require a lot more attention than being pregnant does. Being pregnant is tough and it's, and it's mm-hmm. not, and it, it physically causes, you know, you to be tired more and it causes mm-hmm. you to um, have issues like, like, for example, here's a great example. You know, those seats you sit in, in the auditorium when you mm-hmm. are in a bigger class and you know how the seats, the, the desk flips over. Yeah. Uh, when you're pregnant, the desk flips over and hits your belly and you can't <laughs> write. So you, those oh, are things so nobody funny. thinks about. Yeah. But yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't sit in an auditorium with other people taking notes. So you have to have two seats. You take one seat, you flip over the this desk on the auditorium seat next to you. And uh-huh. you have to take notes on that one because your belly is too big. So, you know, those are the things no one tells you. No one tells you that yeah, when yeah. you're, when you're going to school <laughs> and they don't, they don't, they don't accommodate for women who are pregnant in general, mm-hmm. because that's not normal for people. I mean, it's not usual for women to be pregnant and go to go to school. So um, so yeah, so I ended up, that's the hardest part is, is kind of those physical accommodations. But after you have children, it's a lot harder to, to be able to do it. And I had, at that point, I had two kids at home and I had my newborn son. Um, and I depended on my husband a lot to be able to finish up those classes. And you, at some point you realize that if you don't do this now, this is your last chance. 
And like I said, the doors that you close, you close on yourself. And if I Mm -hmm. had not decided I wanted, I didn't want to close that door. And so I was like, I'm going to hold this door open with my pregnant belly if I have to, um, to get this degree done. And so I ended up doing that. And I did finish a year later, I was finished and they mailed me my uh, diploma, which I still haven't put in a frame, but I'm very proud of, I'm very proud of that. So (laughs) I'm glad that I did that. But, you know, um, again, and I, I, got because of that international relations class that I took at Hamilton I ended up Mm -hmm. doing political science when I got to um, Johns Hopkins and that that was a that was something that was so interesting to me to read about nuclear weapons to read about war to read Mm -hmm. about terrorism to understand international events and how things happen in economics and and macro and microeconomics and all of this stuff was really fascinating to me Um, and I thought you know eventually maybe I'll run for office but I wasn't really I knew that my life had changed a little bit once I had kids and I wasn't sure where it was going to go. But mm-hmm. I will say that in the, um, during the 2014, 2015, 2016 time period, when the rhetoric in our country got a little bit, um, it became very uh, difficult for Muslims mm-hmm. to kind of be Muslims. Um, so after, it was actually after the Pulse nightclub shooting uh, that I told people, I said, look, I may be the only Muslim person you know, if I am. Um, I am more than willing to answer questions, ask me questions, find out more about Islam from me. I'm more than willing to tell you about it. And I would love, I'm not, I'm hard to uh, offend. So mm-hmm. just ask me those questions that you think that you're curious about. So, you know, people would ask about terrorism, they'd ask about the Quran, they asked all sorts of questions. And they would message um, and I found you through that, Facebook or they would meet yeah, up? With they would message me through Facebook. They'd meet mm-hmm. up with, at, at coffee. Um, I had some people who, you know, I'd known through the PTA or known through neighbors and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they would ask me questions that they felt like they could ask me because they weren't afraid of me, you know, getting annoyed or upset or offended, which mm-hmm. I think is really valuable in this day and age for us, for Muslims in general, to be able to have to that be open and with people. Listen and, yeah. yeah. And answer yeah, questions. Yeah. And I think that, that's really important. So that, that made, that changed, that rekindled my desire to be involved politically Mm-hmm. Um, what were you working so, at the time? So actually, so I, I've done a lot of different jobs in between. I did a lot of, um, I used to be a telemarketer, which, you know, is not something that a lot of people are proud of, but I will say it made me, a, it made me a different person because it taught me to be able to ask for money. It taught me to be able to ask people for favors on the phone. It taught me that you can hear a smile through the telephone. Even if you don't think you can, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I learned a lot from that and I did that first. And then I did, um, I did some marketing. I did some HR work. Uh, once I got into marketing and PR, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my thing. I, I mm-hmm. like this. I like to be able to craft messages. I like to be able to take things and make them simpler. I like to concepts, take concepts and make them simpler. So people understand them. Um, and I liked working with words, which I guess goes back to my English major that I wanted to originally be, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so I ended up, I, I do, currently I work uh, for a medical tech firm. I do international, I'm sorry, in, internal communications and PR for them. Um, but I never would have gotten that job if it wasn't for the the strength in my writing and reading mm-hmm. skills, as well as my communication skills in general. What does doing that job involve? Like, what are the skills that you need? Uh, so I have to be able to, I really have to be able to simplify things. So ask people who are very, very intelligent I have to interview them and ask them things about their, what they're doing at work um, and then mm-hmm. make that easier to understand and then write it in an article for uh, other associates at our company to be able to understand. So if there's okay. a new product that's being 
launched, what does it do? What is that? What does that mean? What is it going to do for me? Why is that great? And what are the implications for this in the future? So those are kind of the basic mm-hmm. questions that I have to find out. And again, I have to simplify everything because not everybody's a PhD. Not everybody's, mm-hmm. you know, super, super intelligent. Not everybody understands these concepts. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of what I do on one part of one part of my job. The other part of my job is that I write things for the president, um, which is which is a lot of fun, actually. And then the <laughs> third part of my job, the president yeah. of the company. Uh, the yeah, yeah. The of course. Um, <laughs> and then um, that would be fun. The, the but, other one would uh, be fun. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be fun. The The last part of, of what I do is PR. So I do a lot of community relations. Um, our company has a certain amount of money that they give away to local mm-hmm. organizations and, and nonprofits. And so I get to help figure out which which places we're going to give that money and what how much we're going to give. It's, it's actually a lot of fun. I enjoy that. I get to meet with people who are making mm-hmm. a difference in the world. Um, I get to meet with people who are who are changing the world via their nonprofit, which you know for me is fascinating because, like I said, I'm very interested in behavior change. I'm very interested in changing the world to make it a better place. And so for me, it kind mm-hmm. of dovetails really nicely. Before we continue with our interview with Annie, we would like to let you guys know that the Emoja Outreach Foundation invites you to the Emoja Games 2019 that will be held in Detroit on August 2nd to the 4th. For further information, visit our website. Emoja also invites all of you to join their team to extend the excellent work the organization is doing. To join, you can go to www.emojaoutreach.org slash join the team. Annie, um, so you had a little, right now you're still working in PR, but your true passion is in politics. How did you end up in politics? So, yeah, so I, I do, I still work and that's how I get my paycheck every day. Mm-hmm. And that's, those, those, that's important to me, but I actually spend a good amount of my time helping with, in politics as well. So uh, during that 2014, 15, 16 election time period, I started to notice that the rhetoric had changed and everything was a little bit worse for Muslims. And I said, you know what, I got to get involved. I I can't sit back on the sidelines anymore. And so I got involved with the um, Howard County Muslim Council, which is a nonprofit organization Mm -hmm. in, um, in Howard County. We we are unaffiliated with any political group, but we do work with, we do outreach with the local community in general. And I I was like, you know what, I want to be on this board. And and the, the president at the time was very was actively trying to recruit more diversity, um, specifically women onto the board. And so I was like, you know what, I think I'm interested. I raised my hand and, and then within a year or two, um, they, they decided to elect me president, which was, which was great. So I'm the first Muslim, female Muslim president of the Howard County Muslim Council, which is, um, oh, which is actually, yeah, it's a, it's a great feeling to be in that position considering that I'm a, a Muslim woman that um, people don't always recognize uh, visibly as Muslim. So it's, it's kind of a nice place to be. Um, it's a nice place to affect change. I, I find that I break down barriers um, with people who are not Muslim because they're like, well, how come you're not covering your hair? You know, like I get <laughs> questions like that. And I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's important for some people, but for me, it's not something that I, I think I need to do. And I said, I, but I'm fiercely protective of women who do want mm-hmm. to cover their hair. So, so it's, it's, it's interesting on both sides to be able to be that, that person. Um, and I yeah. enjoy it immensely. So once I got involved there, um, I started to meet with a few other people in the political sphere 
Mm-hmm. And um, a friend of mine, she reached out to me and she said, look, I'm, I'm running my campaign and I need some help. Would you, would you help me run? Would you help me uh, with some volunteer outreach? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'd love to. So uh, every other weekend or so I'd go out door knocking, which, you know, you're knocking on doors and you're asking people uh, what issues they have. You're mm-hmm. asking people um, if they have any ideas that they have for, for improvement, what, what ideas do they have? Um, and then also making sure that they vote for this, my, my friend, um, my friend, Christiana, who was running in district three, uh, of Howard County. And I was like, you know what? I really want to help. I, I want you to vote for her. And people after a conversation would be like, yeah, you, I'll vote for her. I, I really like her. Um, she you had a great strategy. People. Yeah. And I found mm-hmm. myself and it wasn't hard. I mean, I will say that it was because the candidate was so strong because she mm-hmm. knew her stuff. It was not hard to make that. Um, con- those people convinced. And so mm-hmm. that was really nice. So, you know, working with her, she won her primary and there was no one running against her in the general. Uh, so uh, that was basically was it on June 26th. She was, she was basically the, you know, the next uh, district three council person for Howard County, which was great. So after that, um, a friend of mine, another friend of mine, a Muslim woman was running for board of education, which, you know, it seems like sometimes it seems like these races are not important, but I will say that the local races are far more important than the national ones. And they affect more change and they change, they affect your day-to-day life on a much more, um, on a, on a, on a broader scale than the Mm -hmm. larger elections do. And it's very important to find the people that you want to support locally and help them because it does help people at the national level as well. So you can get people locally involved, uh, that, creates an upsurge which will then change national politics as well but you have to start locally mm-hmm. so because you're creating I that would, change within your own community exactly mm-hmm. and you're getting people involved i mean people who would yeah. not otherwise be involved they see this and they're like yeah you know what i want to get involved and so mm-hmm. even for me being involved and so you know so for example my friend asked me to help her with her campaign and i told her i said i'd love to i'm just i'm moving this summer it's going to be a little bit tough so I will need some help. So we recruited another one of our friends to, um, to help me with that. But the two mm-hmm. of us together, we ran that campaign. And even though we had some difficult moments, we had some uh, moments when we thought uh, we were going to, we were going to, going to be really hard. We ended up, she won, she won that election and she wow. became, you never um, had prior experience though. No, I'd never done it before. <laughs> the only, I mean, I literally started in 2018 and I mm. want to say February and February was the first time I worked with um, Christiana's campaign. And then in June, I, I became the campaign chair, the co-campaign chair of Sabina's mm-hmm. campaign. Um, and, and she won. So though it was, the, but I learned a few things, which was nice. And so some of the things I learned was that, first of all, find local candidates that you believe in. Find that, make sure you go through their websites, talk to them in person, which is even better. Understand what their values are. And if you support them, then support them fully. Make sure you give them money. Or if you can't give them money, donate time. If you can't donate time, at least put a sign in your yard. I mean, just little things like that. And I know there are a lot of um, Muslims that may not necessarily be citizens. Maybe they're, you know, residents, uh, legal residents, or even if they're undocumented, it doesn't actually matter. You can still put a sign out in your yard. You can still give money to these candidates. You can still do things that, you know, you wouldn't otherwise think that you could do. You can do all of those things. And that is very important as well. Um, So, you know, I highly encourage residents, uh, permanent residents of the United States, not to think of themselves as outside of the the political system because they can't vote, but rather they can still influence um, citizens to vote. And they should. Mm -hmm. 
so I would say, you know, that that's very important. Getting involved at a very basic level is important because like I said, if you can get a group of um, people in your political party to get involved and stay involved on a local level, mm-hmm. that becomes one local area that you've affected that will then affect the national level, the, the state level, the federal level as well. And so it's very important to find those candidates and then support them fully and find people around you who are also interested and get them involved too. Door knocking is hard. Like things like that are hard and it may not be for you, but if it is, then do it. Absolutely mm-hmm. do it. Don't, don't worry about, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I've never done this before, or this is scary. You, you should always do, you should always do things that you believe in, even if they're a little bit scary, mm-hmm. because after the first two times you do it, it won't be scary anymore. It'll be fun. We have a question for you from someone in the audience. Sure. Um, Our question is oftentimes political campaigns infringe on our personal moral compass. How does Annie manage that? So how do you manage that? So I, so I have a very, I mean, my values are pretty, for the most part, pretty liberal. I'm, Mm -hmm. um, I'm a, I'm a Democrat. I'm a lifelong Democrat. Actually, you could tell if I've supported Geraldine Ferraro in 1984, (laughs) I've been a life, literally a lifelong Lifelong. Democrat. (laughs) Lifelong. But, um, but I think there are moments where you're going to have issues with certain candidates. You're going to have a moment where you're like, you know, this candidate did this and I'm not happy about that. But I think if you look at at the totality of it, of their, of their votes, if they're, if they're already in office, their votes, Mm -hmm. if they're not already in office, then what they've told you um, and how they've filled out surveys and um, how they have answered questions. If you look at the totality of it and you decide that those things are, uh, the things that are important to you is what they support, then I would say support them. It doesn't matter if, you know, one or two of their, their, the planks on their platform don't necessarily gel with you. The rest of it does, then, then you should. And I, I'm mm-hmm. a big believer in free speech. I'm a big believer in civil rights. I'm a big believer in, um, in civil liberties. And I think that that sometimes puts me at odds with some other candidates as well. But I think you can't, I don't, I don't like the idea of the one issue voter. Like I know there are people who will say I am anti-abortion. And so therefore I'm not going to vote for anyone who is pro, who's, um, who is uh, pro-choice. Mm-hmm. That that's fair. That that's, that's fair. But I feel like there's so much more to the story than just that issue. And if you pull yourself into a one issue voter category, then you can be railroaded by people who may not have the best moral compass on other issues. And then you end up getting stuck with values that you don't believe in at all, but because they 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 believe in this one thing, you followed them. Like you've jumped on that train, and then you're like, I can't get off this train now. Mm-hmm. So I would say, look at the totality of the candidate. Don't just look at one issue. Don't be a one issue voter. Look at everything, and remember that you live in this country, and this country has there there's certain things in your neighborhood that you want, and there's certain things in your neighborhood that you don't want, and those mm-hmm. those you have to make sure that you. You foster that that um, that feeling, those values that you want. You want the in your neighborhood as well. So back to running the campaign, can you tell us a bit more about what skills it takes to be able to pull that off so and successfully the, pull few, it off? Yeah. So there are a few things. First of all, you can't take anything personally. <laughs> That's really hard to. It's really hard to do. It's easy to say. It's it's very mm-hmm. hard to do. But you have to. Um, you have to look at it as uh, as as a kind of a business at a moment at that moment. And the first thing you have to do is research. You have to research your area, the, the place that you are, um, that your candidate or you are running in. 
You have to make sure that you understand that area better than anything else. Listen to the constituents there. Talk mm-hmm. to them. Know what they're looking for. Know what their issues are. And then figure out where your values and their values uh, kind of align. Um, that's the, the research is the first thing. Is the, is the district, is the you know, area, is it winnable? If it's not winnable, maybe you don't run or maybe you find something else to, to do. I, I'm not sure, you know, if that's something that you're interested in. But if it's not winnable, you, you got you to take that hit and go somewhere else mm-hmm. um, or do something else and affect change some other way. Uh, but if it is winnable, then after that, you have to kind of find your core voters. Who are the people that are going to come out and vote for you? Identify those people. Are they they're not just going to. I mean, I know, you know, this is a Muslim, this is a Muslim, Muslim show and, and we are Muslims, but it, you're going to need more than Muslims to vote for you. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to have your values are going to have to align with those people as well. So you have to make sure that you can explain who you are and what you are to those people as well. And that's that's very, very critical. Be relatable Once you find your one. Yeah. No, well, not maybe not everybody, but the your core voters, the number yeah. of people you have to have a you have to have a win number. So say it's okay. a district of about 50,000 people to win that seat or to win that whatever it is, that race, you're going to need, um, you know, say 20,000 votes. I mean, that's something you have to figure out using, yeah. you know, not past data and, and how many people come out for an election. And all, mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into that win number. So once you figure out your win number, you have to knock on that many doors, call that many people, do mm-hmm. outreach with those people until you, you, are, you are fairly sure that at least 20,000 people or whatever your win number is mm-hmm. are going to come out and they're going to vote for you. And at the end of the day, door knocking is one of the best ways to do it. And I know, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is very popular these days, but if you ask her how many shoes she had to wear through to get <laughs> through all the different people in her district to meet everybody in her district that voted for her, mm-hmm. she'll tell you, I think it's like two or three pairs of shoes. Like you, your shoes have holes in them by the time you're yeah. done. Because you're walking and you're talking, you're taking notes and you're going to the next door and people, you know, are, they love it when you come to their door and you want to talk to them about issues. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's very important that you do that door knocking and you reach out to every person. Um, The other thing you have to be good at is messaging. You have to be able to explain a difficult uh, situation or a difficult um, concept in a way that's very easy for people to understand. If it's something like taxes, you have to be able to say, you know, say your a, a, a good example of this is actually I think the Republicans do a very good example of this nationally, where they talk about the budget as like a household budget. And they're like, well, we're spending more than we're you know than we're earning, and even though economically that doesn't actually make sense um, because governments can use and borrow money, uh, it's actually it a really great way. It does, and people mm-hmm. understand that they they. They have a concept of a household budget and that makes sense yeah. to them. And when you put it that way, they're like, oh my God, yeah, like you, I can't have a deficit. I wouldn't be able to live. So the yeah. government should have a, shouldn't have a deficit. It's, a, it's being able to explain some of those difficult concepts in ways that people understand. That's very mm-hmm. important, I think. Um, you have to have humility. You have to be willing to say, you know what, I'm wrong. Uh, you know what, you're right. This Be able to change your... Um, outlook on something if you've been convinced otherwise if you find mm-hmm. that you know you've done something that or you said something that maybe is not true or is as you know research shows that it's not the right thing then you got to be able to say you know what you're right I, I've made this mistake that humility is, is important um, and one of the other very important things I would say is training uh, I just recently was accepted to the eMERGE program uh, 
Mm -hmm. um, I'm the 2019 Maryland Emerge class. And what we are learning is how to run for office in the future. Um, that's a, that's a huge thing. And I think there's an Emerge program in almost, I want to say 20 states or so in the United States currently. If you are a Muslim woman who lives in a state that does not have an Emerge program, mm -hmm. there's a way to get one started. Uh, and you just have to reach out to the Emerge United States um, group and they can help you start one. I had a woman, actually, there's a friend of mine in Texas who reached out to me and she was like, you know, I was working on Beto's campaign and I really liked him, but he didn't win. What do I do? And so I, you know, sat with her and I, I, I had a nice long phone call with her. We talked about what she can do otherwise and what her different options are. And, and eventually I'd love for her to run for Congress or for, for office. And I think if mm -hmm. she does run, I will be, um, you know, giving money to her campaign for sure. I will because I think she's capable and I think she can do it. Um, but I told her, I said, you know, if you can fund your Emerge program first, see if you can get it started. And then after that, uh, take the class, be a part mm -hmm. of that class and, and see where you go. In terms of time commitment, it takes a lot of time to either run for office and also run a campaign, um, which is probably makes it harder to balance your life, your, your own life and your work life, correct? Yeah, I mean, my I, my life is never balanced. <laughs> my life is not not currently balanced. I would say my life is not currently balanced. Balanced, but I do. My children are my priority. Mm -hmm. uh, my children are my priority. Absolutely. Um, I try to take them with me to events. I try to show them things. I try to keep them involved with me, which I think is very important. But mm -hmm. it does take up a lot of my time. This past summer, I used up a good amount of my time with this campaign. I I absolutely do not regret it. It was the best. I've made friends through the campaign that I um, would, you know, for these people that it's like, you know, you go through these difficult moments with them and you become better friends with a lot of these people and you meet people that you would not otherwise meet. And I have met some amazing people through the campaign that I would not have met otherwise. Mm -hmm. So we share so many values. And the reason we were all, we're all friends is because we shared so many values with the woman who's running Sabina that we all realize that, you know, we, we can, we're all friends because we're all passionate well. about it too. Yeah. Yeah. We all believe in those things. And I think it's important to also note that this is all volunteer. This big job is all volunteering. Yes. I, I was not paid. There, there are companies that will, there are consulting companies that you can work for. And mm -hmm. if you wanted to do that, you could do that as well. Um, but I, I really liked my job. So <laughs> I have no desire to leave my job. I love my job. Um, mm -hmm. It's very stable and it's, it's a great company to work for. So I, I don't want to do that. But I really love working on campaigns as well. I yeah. really love finding the candidate that I believe in and then helping them run and helping them strategize and helping them reach out to people. Mm -hmm. I, that for me was kind of like a drug. It was like, how <laughs> can I win? And when you win and the night of the election, when you've won, it is the best feeling in the world because you're like jumping up and down. You're so excited. You can't believe you, you know, you pulled it off and it's a, it is a, that feeling is, is it, that elation. It makes amazing. it all worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm fortunate. I gotta, I gotta say, I'm fortunate to not have worked on a losing campaign yet, but I felt the, you know, I'm a, like I said, I'm a lifelong Democrat. So I, the night that Hillary Clinton lost was, was horrible. Like that was a really mm -hmm. tough night for me. And I think that um, I don't want to feel that way again. And mm -hmm. so I will do what I have to do to help these candidates that I believe in win. What's the one piece of advice before we wrap up that you have for our listeners today? I'd say 
kind of what I said in the beginning as well, mm-hmm. that you can't close doors. Don't, don't close any doors unless you want to close them. Keep, keep your options open. You don't know what you may do in the future. You don't know what you decide is important to you a little bit later in your life. So don't close those doors unless you absolutely, absolutely want to. And if you want to, close the door. Feel free. That's a good idea. But I think um, keeping your options open is very important. Don't get rid of your dreams just because logistics don't work. I know for me, I was like, you know, I've got kids. I can't do some of these things anymore. And so for me, that, that meant I closed some doors. But in other things, like this, you know, like politics, it means that I bring my kids with me. I adapt. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So don't, don't close any doors unless you absolutely have to. Thank you so much, Annie, for sharing your story with us and for giving us such great advice on how to run with politics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, remember there's, you could do anything as long as you support a candidate, mm-hmm. there are a host of ways to, to reach out and get involved. You were just listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. Before we end, we'd like to let you know that the Emoja Academy is in full swing in various cities. If you have a young one, boy or girl in some cities, even women, you should check out the Academy site. That's www.emojaoutreach.org academy. If you miss this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the You Mentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. If you want to reach out to today's speaker, and ask her any questions, you may visit our online platform at emojaoutreach.org slash unleash the future slash groups, or just visit the Umentor website and hit the link for online platform. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. for another panel of speakers and more stories. Thank you for listening to today's speaker. You can always catch up on SoundCloud or our iTunes podcast.